Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast Gamsat to Med School. I'm Kaylee and I'm here today with Sienna and today we'll be talking about how Gamsat results are presented, how they're used, what constitutes a good Gamsat score and what this means for you when you apply for med school. So first we'll introduce ourselves. So my name, as I said, is Kaylee. I'm a biology tutor with GradReady and I am a final year med student at UWA. And I have received an offer to do internship at Sir Charles Gartner Hospital next year, which is very exciting. So I'll hand over to Sienna. Congrats, Kaylee. Congrats on that offer, Kaylee. That's really <laughs> exciting. Um, my name is Sienna. I'm a third year medical student at Sydney University. And I have a med sci degree from Sydney University as well. And I'm currently a humanities tutor for Grad Ready. So our first topic for this um, for this podcast is about how the GAMSAT results are presented. So when you're given your GAMSAT score, you don't just get your total score, you get your scaled score for each of the three sections. So your section one, section two and section three score. And then you also get your overall score first. Uh, um, and then um, we're going to explain a little bit about each of these scores and how they're calculated, but we'll just start with the overall score. Uh, um, so the way that GEMSAS calculates it and the way that some of the universities calculate it is they get your Section 1 score, your Section 2 score, and then two times your Section 3 score. Add that all together and then divide by four, and that gives your overall score. So you notice that there's two times section three score. That means that the sciences section is essentially double weighted compared to the other sections. So if you are strong at science, uh, you might have a better shot, I guess, at um, applying for the universities that weight this way. But there's also other universities that just, um, just do a straight average of the three sections with all sections equally weighted. So uh, depending on what you like with science versus humanities, this could work in your favour or not. Yeah, this has been a really um, development. Um, I know at Sydney University when I was applying, um, that was a relatively new um, approach for them to weight each of the sections evenly, but it ended up working in my favour and it definitely can work in some students' favours as well. Yeah, whereas for me, I was more of a strong science student, so um, the um, original weighting where the science is weighted more, that was better for me. Mm. So it changes from person to person. Um, so theoretically, the maximum score is 100, but this is unheard of. Um, the highest score I've ever heard of was 88, but... The highest score I know from someone like someone I personally know is 84. Um, to get a maximum score of 100, you basically maximum score of 100, you basically need to be the top student or among the top students for every single section. So you can appreciate that. Um, that's pretty uncommon. Um, your overall score is presented as a number, and you're also given a little percentile curve that shows you how your score compares to everyone else who's had the same exam as you. So um, you can basically see from the graph, um, say you got a score of 68, for instance, you can look at the graph and look at where 68 sits on that graph, and you can see what percentile you are based on that, so essentially how many 
what percentage of other candidates did you beat? Um, and the curve can change a little bit for every sitting. So what's a good score one year might be slightly different to the score the next year. So um, while we talk a lot about the scores, um, it's also important to think about the um, percentile for the for, um, for your for your particular sitting as well. Anything else you wanted to add to that, Sienna? Yeah, I think it's really important for students to know that just um, even a very small increase in the actual overall all score can really make a big difference in terms of um, moving people up or down that curve. Um, so I would recommend people familiarise themselves with that curve because, as you said, even though it does change a little bit exam to exam, it is relatively consistent um between exams so you can kind of predict based on your raw score what percentile um you're going to be sitting at um and it can really help to motivate you if you can see that okay maybe i'm only increasing my overall score by say two or three points but when that correlates to for example i'm just pulling this off the top of my head but say a five or ten percentile increase then that can be the difference between you getting um, an interview offer or an admission um, and not. So it's really important to have a good understanding of that. So obviously the aim is to be at the highest percentile possible. Unis do have a limited number of spots. So essentially they aim to take the top portion of the group in any given year. And over time, there's definitely been a shift of the curve to the right. So you do need a higher overall score to be in the top 20th centile, for example, um, then you would have, sorry, you need that now than you would have, say, a few years ago. So do be careful when you're trying to compare your raw scores um, over the years or between sittings if you do sit gaps that more than the once um, because the changes in that curve can make it um, a bit misleading. So they also give scaled scores for each section um, and those can be a bit harder to understand, and especially given ACER aren't completely um, transparent in how they do calculate these scores. Uh, but the general understanding that of how it's likely to work is that you get scored separately for each section. So section one and section two being your humanities focuses, and then section three being the science focus section. So your exams are marked. I do probably one mark per correct response. Um, and we're pretty sure that there's no half marks given. And then you do get a raw sum of the correct responses, but this doesn't necessarily constitute your score. So a section, say you get a score of 60 in the sciences section, that doesn't mean you got 60 out of 100 questions correct, for example. Um, they do, we think, similar to how a lot of high school um, final exams are marked, um, they do likely sort of fiddle around with this scoring a little bit. Um, so don't take the score too literally. Um, but from there, the scores are generally standardised and then placed on a distribution with the highest score um, being given sort of um, a mark of a scaled score of 100 and then everyone else's scores being distributed according to that. So the average score scaled is, sorry, the average score is generally scaled to whatever um, GEMSAS have decided to set as the average score um, for the standardization purposes. 
so this is really similar to how HRs are calculated and other scores like that. I think that really yeah. sums up the as much as we know about GAMSAT scoring. Yeah. As we said, it's, it is hard to know exactly how these things happen. And ultimately, while it can help you inform your studying a little bit, um, it shouldn't be the pure focus um, of everything you're doing. Did you have anything else to sum up there, Kaylee? Yeah, I think just in summary, like the less con- the um simple explanation would just be um it's a competition essentially, so you're trying to get more points than your competition. Um, and this the scores is just a sort of uh, a little bit of a fancy way of um decide of um ranking people, I guess. And a lot of the time, individual Um, section scores don't actually end up mattering. You just need to make sure you're scoring over the university cutoffs. So most universities have a minimum score that they'll consider um, that you need to achieve Mm -hmm. in each of the sections. But I think we're going to talk about this a little later on as well. Yeah. So the most important score is your overall score. Um, And as Sienna said, most of the time, as long as you score over the cut off for the individual sections, normally around 50 to 55, um, then it doesn't really matter what you get in individual sections as long as your overall score is good. Um, We're going to move on now to talking about how your GAMSAT results are used. So hopefully you should know by now that the GAMSAT is used for postgraduate entry medical programs. But there's also a few other programs that use GAMSAT as well. So, for example, Dentistry at UWA uses GAMSAT, so does Optometry at UMELB. And there's some overseas universities that use GAMSAT as well, particularly in Ireland and the UK. Um, Only scores within the last last two years are valid for most programs. Thankfully, um, you get to choose which score you want to send. So if you set GAMSAT four times in the last two years, you can choose which one of those four scores you want to send. So if you did badly one time and well the next time, then you can just send that one score that you did well, or you did well, and the university won't know about your low score. Um, So when the universities get your GAMSAT score, they will use your GAMSAT and generally your GPA as well and other factors to rank you for an interview. Um, the actual criteria that they use varies from university to university. Usually it's GAMSAT and GPA, plus minus a portfolio if you're applying for um, Wollongong or Notre Dame. Um, and the importance that the GAMSAT has in that, like the waiting place in the GAMSAT is also a little bit different as well. So in the past, a lot of universities, it was 50% GAMSAT, 50% GPA, and the portfolio universities were like a third GAMSAT, third GPA, third portfolio. But um, there have been some changes to the different universities. So just read their pages and make sure you stay abreast of how much each component's weighted. And then after the interview, the GAMSAT score is also used um, to rank you for admission. And again, the weighting of the GAMSAT in that Um, varies depending on which university you're applying for. So I think that's 
sort of like an, in a nutshell. Sienna, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I just think what you said about um, making sure you're on top of what universities uh, that you're applying to, what they want and how they weight things, that's so important. So especially with all the changes that have happened in the past few years, for example, when you said have not had any interviews, GAMSAT has um, been the sole criterion that they've been using for admissions and then only resorting to using your GPA uh, when they do need sort of a tiebreaker between students. So it is really important, um, you know, these, these things are changing constantly, so you do need to stay up to date on them. Another example is that um, University of Western Australia, I think they don't, oh no, actually, yeah. is it University of Western Australia or Wollongong, Kaylee? do you remember? Oh, well, sorry, what was the rest of the question? <laughs> That's all right. Um, I know that some unis don't use GAMSAT to rank students post-interview. Um, however... Oh, um, yeah, UWA does, yeah. um, but the what I was going to say about UWA is that they've changed their weightings post-interview. I can't remember what they are now, but um, previously, after post-interview, it was like a third GAMSAT, a third GPA, a third interview. But they've now, I think they're now emphasising the interview more. So I think the interview is now 50%. And then GAMSAT and GPA, one of them's 30%, one of them's 20%. I can't remember which one is which. I just know that <laughs> it probably would not have worked in my favour if I was applying today. <laughs> I feel like with all the changes that are constantly happening, it's always a bit of a luck of the draw what year you get admitted in. And you always sort of think, oh, I don't know if now I would actually get in, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But um, yeah. it's definitely goes, just goes to show that your GAMSAT, while it's important, obviously your GAMSAT score isn't the be-all and end-all. You do need to keep, make sure you're focusing on other aspects um, used for admission, like your, G, your undergrad GPA and um, your interview skills. But it is important to have an understanding of, you know, when you're studying, you need to understand what constitutes a good, in inverted commas, uh, GAMSAT score because... Um, as we've said before, most universities do have an official minimum score um, that they're willing to take. So often that'll be um, a need a score of 50 overall, and that's a score, mind you, not a percentile. Um, these are the you also need section scores of um, 50 in each of the um, three sections individually. Um, so if any one of your sections falls below that, even if your overall score is still over 50 you won't be considered for an interview or admission. So you usually do need um, scores, though, that are quite a lot higher than this. As we said, these are just absolute minimum cutoffs. Um, you do generally need scores higher than this to um, be lucky enough to get an interview offer and be considered for admission. So as, um, the, as we said with the curve, changing year to year, so do cutoffs. Um, and, you know, these cutoffs are kind of determined um, in part based off that curve and the changes that they see in that. So a lot of the time, I believe that most universities don't publish their cutoffs um, before the GAMSAT sitting and many universities don't publish them after the fact either. Uh, it is um, sort of a bit of a guess and you do just need to base it on um, what you can find on the internet about previous scores that have been used uh, to offer people interviews. And keep in mind that the scores can differ um, 
by what program you're trying to enter. So as we said before, if you're trying to get into, say, dentistry versus medicine, it might be different. Um, or if you are potentially considered maybe, um, I think in some universities, if you're rural, they might use slightly different um, cutoff scores as well. Um, so as we've said a few times, it really does pay to just do your reading on what is required at the universities that you're hoping to apply for. Um, you know, this is really why ultimately your percentile is actually much more important than your raw score um, because you want to be aimed to be performing in the top portion of the group that you sit GAMSAT with because ultimately these are the people that are going to end up um, getting offers and really the actual score is sort of a bit, um, a bit irrelevant in some senses. Uh, so I think Kaylee is going to give us a few good other rules of thumb um, to think about when we're, we're sort of trying to figure out where your score sits um, amongst your peers and, you know, in, con in the context of previous years as well. Yeah, so um, the average GAMSAT score most years is somewhere around 57, 58-ish. So if you get that year sort of bang in the middle, 50 probably did better than about 50% of people, but 50% of people also did better than you. Um, so if you get a score a little bit higher than that, um, that already sort of increases your percentile ranking quite a bit. Um, so a score in the low 60s, you get a slim chance of admission. Um, you might be more lucky at universities that give the GAMS at a lower weighting. So usually these are the portfolio schools like Notre Dame and Wollongong that tend to have less of a weighting on the GAMSAT because they also have portfolio. So if you've, if you've got lots of great volunteer experiences and things, then you might be able to get through with a low score in the low 60s, but it's pretty slim chances. Um, if you get your score a little bit higher still to the mid 60s, you've got a decent chance of getting an interview. And if you're lucky, even admission. Uh, but you need to make sure your other areas, the other areas of your application are pretty strong as well. Um, if your score is in the high 60s or low 70s, you've got a pretty good chance of getting in somewhere, though not necessarily at your first preference. And um, just for reference, the um, 75th percentile was a score of 65. So if you've got a score in the high 60s, you're already sort of in the top 25% of students. If you've got a score in the high 70s and the world is your oyster and you should be able to get in pretty much anywhere that you want to go as long as you don't have any glaring red flags in your GPA plus minus portfolio if you're applying for Notre Dame or Wollongong. Um, the 98th centile normally sits somewhere around um, 75. So if you've got a score in the 80s, uh, we always used to say like, are you even real? But I mean, as I said, I know people who've gotten scores that are that high. Not very common to see though. No, they're definitely very rare, but it does happen. Some people surprise themselves, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and also important to note that these are general rules of thumb only. So as Sienna said, um, cutoffs tend to be lower for rural students. And that's because most universities, if not all of them, um, reserve a certain number of seats for rural students. So you'll only be competing with rural students for those spots, which means you're competing with a smaller pool, which means that it's not as competitive and you can generally get in with a lower score. The other important consideration is that um, 
Gamsat's only part of your application. So if your GPA is really poor or your portfolio is really poor, then you're going to need a higher GPA to compensate. And then conversely, if you've got a really good GPA, you might be able to get, um, get by with a slightly lower Gamsat. So it depends what university you're applying to and how much things are weighted. Um, and another area that might be, um, another tip that might, might or might not be useful is um, there are a few universities that do publish their cutoffs. Most don't, but there are a couple that do. So it's worth having a look at the website the university you're applying for to see if they have published cutoffs in previous years, just so you can get an, a general idea of what kind of scores that you're looking looking at. Um, and then for other universities, our GradReady website has a list of unofficial cutoffs that sort of combine the GAMSAT and GPA scores, but I have to emphasize that these are very unofficial. Um, they come entirely from self-reported scores, so they're not the most accurate because we're relying on people to report their scores and there are, and um, the number of people actually report their scores on websites such as Paging Doctor and so forth is only a very small proportion of the total number of people who get accepted to a medical school. So try not to put too much emphasis on them. It's just to give you a general idea of what to aim for. Yeah, and I think I think focusing a lot on those um, sort of self-reported scores that you can find out there, you know, this, this is not talking about you know, people that you know in person, maybe friends or colleagues, um, but sort of those just anonymous reportings of scores, um, you know, focusing too much on those can cause a lot of confusion and anxiety for some students. Um, I know I've definitely heard that in the past. So um, I think know yourself and know uh, whether that is something that's likely to cause a bit of anxiety for you. And if so, just, you know, maybe try and avoid that and um, instead focus on yourself and your own score and just doing the absolute best that you possibly can. Um, so, you know, really it is ultimately about bringing this back to um, what does all this information about scores and percentiles, mm -hmm. what does that really mean for you? So if you don't get a good score the first or second time or any time you take the GAMSAT, that definitely doesn't mean you won't ever get a good score. Um, as we've said, the scores that you can get GAMSAT to GAMSAT, they can change quite a lot sometimes. And even if your actual score doesn't change, like me, I sat the GAMSAT twice and my score was exactly the same both times. Um, but, you know, the percentile ranking might change. Um, what unis are looking to accept might change. Um, in fact, both of those things are very likely to change year to year. Um, so you can um, definitely need to realize that a lot of other factors than just the exam itself and the score go into it but also like things like your performance on the day or the performance of other people on the day you know things like stress and sleep um how many uni spots uh, there are to fill around the country and what other choices the universities make uh surrounding criteria and how they weight portfolios or interviews um, all of these things ultimately play into whether or not you end up getting an offer. Um, so while understanding your GAMSAT score and um, how universities choose these, while that's important, uh, it's also important to look at the bigger picture sometimes. And another thing as well is that your scores definitely can improve. 
um, especially with added study. I think that was definitely one of my mistakes is that I thought I didn't really need to study any more than I did um, the first time after the first time I sat the GAMSAT. But I have heard from so many students, I've seen it firsthand, you know, those students that do study really hard between their, say, first and second GAMSAT sitting or any other GAMSAT sitting, you know, a lot of them gen do see an increase, if not in their raw score, though often in their raw score, um, they'll see an increase in their percentile curve, which ultimately means they're performing higher in that group of students that are sitting the GAMSAT. Um, so it's all about knowing what factors come under your control and doing your best to maximise all of those um, to really increase your chances of getting in. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, as you were saying, Sienna, like a lot of people, even if they don't get a good score the first or whatever time around, it's possible to get a good score another time around. Like I, I know people, and I'm sure you know people as well, who sat the games at multiple times and applied multiple times and eventually got in. Mm. Um, it's it's not uncommon. Um, I think. I, I think one of the lecturers at my uni said that um, they generally get nine applicants for each spot. So it's that means that you know those other eight applicants, if they assuming they didn't get in anywhere else, would be applying, or either deciding not to reapply or sitting the gams out again. So um, and we we um, address this topic on some of our other podcasts and blog posts as well. So if you are finding yourself in a position of having to reset the GAMSAT and trying to get yourself the motivation, um, feel free to check out some of our other resources. Mm. And I think it's also a really important point to raise that um, it is really important that if you're not happy with um, any of your section scores or your overall score um, after one sitting of the GAMSAT, do make sure that you're looking critically at your scores um, and really trying to use that information that you're being given um, to figure out where you can improve um, and where you should focus your study, you know, highlighting what are your weakest sections, um, but also looking at where your, your strengths are and then trying to take learnings from um, how you approach questions. Say, if you're really strong in the humanities, you know, thinking about how you approach those questions and um, what strategies you use for those questions that maybe you can transfer some of those skills over to your sciences section where maybe you're not doing as well. Um, but really knowing that it also is important to prioritise studying for those sections where you are falling below the minimum cutoff score because ultimately as long as you have even just one section falling below the minimum cutoffs for universities then you won't be considered for application to that university at all. So it's important to, you know, as much as increasing your scores um, is really important, at least making sure you're over those cutoffs is the sort of bare minimum that you, you need to be doing. Um, and realistically, looking at what you think you can improve uh, between the next time you sit it. Um, but unless you have anything else to add, Kaylee, I, th I think that about wraps up everything we have to say about your GAMSAT results. Yeah, I think that's about it. And yes, you probably will get like the most bang for your buck by focusing on those weaker sections because if you're already getting scores of like, I don't know, 80 or so for a section, um, 
it's probably going to be pretty like the amount of effort to bump that up higher is going to be substantially more than bumping up another score from like a 50 to a 55 for instance yeah very true it's all about maximizing your returns yes. um for the effort that you put in. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so hopefully that's answered any questions that you may have had um, when you tuned into this podcast. And we hope that you do well with your application. Best of luck. Um, if you are a little bit stuck or you want some extra help um, with your application, GradReady has got plenty of other resources about improving your GAMSAT scores, also improving your interview skills as well, and also just looking at how to improve your chances of getting into med school in general. Um, for future podcasts, feel free to get in touch with us to let us know if you've got any topics that you'd like to suggest to us. Follow us on social media as well and make sure to tune in for our next podcast episode and um, follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. Yeah, we would definitely love to have you listen in uh, for future podcasts and we've got a great backlog of episodes there. So hopefully if you've got any questions about GAMSAT or getting into medical school, maybe we've answered those there already. And if not, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So I think that finishes. And thanks once again thank for listening. listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening.